You're listening to the Safety of Work podcast, episode zero. Today, we're asking the question, who are we? Let's get started. Hey everybody, my name's David Proven and I'm here with Drew Ray and we're from the Safety Science Innovation Lab at Griffith University. Welcome to the Safety of Work podcast. This is an introductory episode before the main podcast gets started and the first real episode will drop next week. Then we're going to have regular episodes every Monday after that. Drew, what are we here to do? There's a lot of philosophical arguments about what safety is and how we achieve safety. But ultimately, no matter how we define it, Safety is something that comes from operational work. People are kept safe or they get hurt because of how work is done, where it's done, who it's done by, what it's done with, and what it's done to. And that's something that it's easy to lose sight of when we're doing safety work. Most safety practice, the stuff that safety people do, is at least one step removed from the operational work itself. Managers and safety practitioners don't do the operational work, they try to influence it using a wide variety of safety tools and practices. So that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the tools, talk about the practices, and talk about the evidence that links the safety work to the safety of work. Where things sometimes get mixed up is people start thinking of tools and practices as if those things are safety. They get confused between the goal, keeping people safe, and the means to reach the goal, which we also call safety. So David, when you and I started working together, we realized that it was important to both of us to be clear about those differences, clear about the different types of safety, and to talk separately about what we're trying to achieve and the things we're trying to do to achieve it, so that we can have open, frank, and honest conversations about what works and doesn't work in safety. So some safety academics, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this myself, can be really quite abstract when we're talking about safety. And that's what we're trying to get away from in this podcast. We don't want to be disconnected from the safety of work. We want to be closely linked to what keeps people safe. And we think that there's a lot of good research out there that we can bring to our listeners to draw that link between research that's about safety and things that practical safety practitioners are trying to do. So in each episode, we're going to take some aspect of safety practice and we're going to look at the evidence that surrounds it. Wherever possible, we'll be trying to draw the link between the work of safety and safety at work. Our goal is to make safety research more accessible to managers, safety practitioners, and frontline workers. Ultimately, trying to see better, more evidence-based safety practice. What we want to do is help you, our listeners, uh, to demystify, devolve, and declutter safety. So that's, that's the theme that we want to follow for each of our podcasts. We believe that safety practice should be based on sound research, but to do that, that means getting the safety research understood by the practitioners in a format that isn't needlessly confusing or complicated. So in this way, we aim to demystify the safety research processes and their findings. We also believe that each aspect of safety should be managed by the people best equipped to understand what's going on and to take action. So we won't be able to tell you what we think you should do in all situations, but we do want to put tools in your hands, in this case, We want to devolve the findings of the academic research along with our own practical ideas about how you can make sense of them in your own organisational context. And then ultimately, our aim is to help you declutter because we believe that if you have a good understanding of what works and what doesn't work, it's going to lead to simpler, cheaper and more effective safety management practices. 
We hope we can help you do the things that you have a strong understanding of and evidence for that will work. And you might be able to stop doing the things where there's no good evidence that that's going to improve the safety of work. Uh, because this is the first episode, and frankly, due to technology, the third time that we're recording the first episode, we're probably sounding a little bit over prepared. Um, but that's not really what we're aiming for for the rest of this podcast. Um, in our regular format each week, our aim is to have a simple back and forth conversation. Um, each episode is going to have a clear question and one or two pieces of research that speaks to that question. So hopefully we're going to have a bit of a sort of three-way conversation between David, me and you, our listeners. Start off with, we want to tell you a little bit about where we're coming from personally, just so that you understand why Dave and I are here, why we're doing this, and what we're hoping to achieve. So that's, you know, each, each week there'll be a question, a question for this week, over to you, David, who are you? So who am I? Thanks, Drew. I'd say I'm a career safety professional. It's actually the only full-time job I've ever done. Uh, I came to Griffith Uni the first time in the mid-90s and studied behavioural science with a major in workplace health and safety and psychology. And at the time of my undergraduate degree, safety management roles were, were in high demand and the safety profession was heavily engaged with all of the emerging safety regulation. So this huge amount of regulation meant that there was a lot of jobs and good graduate jobs. So I left university and took a job in the rail industry. And in that role, I was almost exclusively focused on safety management systems. And I was supporting the emerging safety case and accreditation regimes that we were seeing spread across many high-risk industries. I became convinced through my early work that having the right set of safety standards and processes was the key to creating safe work outcomes. But it wasn't long before I realized through this work that there was a lot of limitations with compliance-based or, or heavily compliance-based approaches. And I started exploring more broadly ideas about risk management and safety culture as key ingredients for safety. I went and did a master's of health science in risk management. And then I joined a large engineering company, construction organization as the head of safety. And it was through this work, I was more exposed to a more diverse and dynamic organization, more involved with senior leadership conversations and external conversations about safety, where I really started to contemplate the limitations of some of my ideas about safety and more broadly, whether or not a lot of the things that we were actually doing were, frankly, doing anything constructive to influence and shape the way that work was happening at the sharp end of the organization. I went out and did some business studies. So I did an MBA in finance and economics because I thought if I understood the commercial realities of organizational decision-making, then I might be able to influence the way the organization functioned more broadly and how it made decisions and therefore how it might better integrate safety into its decision-making processes. I got a lot out of, out of that role, but, it, but I'd always wanted to work in an organization that was facing major accident event risks every day. So the types of I suppose, incidents that we see in mining and oil and gas and aviation uh, and the nuclear industry, because I really felt that if I could get into one of those organizations, they would have safety as a clear management philosophy and all of their organizational practices would be centered around making sure that the operations were well understood and were safe. So I was able to join an oil and gas company as the head of safety uh, only two months after the Macondo well blowout in the Gulf of Mexico. But it was many years after that, um, I might have been having a very bad day and I sat back and sort of asked myself the question of what's it all for, or more specifically, whether any of the work that safety professionals do or any of the work that I'd done throughout my whole career was doing anything, um, anything material to add value to the safety of people who were doing work in the organization that I was in. 
So specifically, the question I was asking myself then was, how does what I'm doing help the person who's doing their rounds in the gas plants within my organization? So this led me back to Griffith um, to do my PhD because I was, I was reflecting a lot on my career with the emergence of the resilience engineering literature and the safety two and safety differently literature. And what I really wanted to do was to ask the question about whether the safety profession was performing its role in a way that was adding the most value to safety. The idea for this podcast first emerged after I'd done more than 70 interviews after six months where I'd worked to understand what was driving the practice and the, the priorities of safety professionals. And not once did in that interview or in those discussions, did I get the response, we're doing this in our organization because there is strong evidence in the safety research that doing this in our context is more likely than other activities to have an impact on improving the safety of work. So do safety professionals practice with, within the evidence base or, or do they practice within popular science or organizational experience? And that's an itch that I haven't been able to scratch for the last few years. So I'm really excited, Drew, that we've now turned that idea into a podcast. Um, but I will say, I don't believe anymore that there's a silver bullet to safety management. We're not through this podcast trying to search for a unifying theory of safety or a simple solution to us to the safety puzzle that we all face because they don't exist. What we are trying to do and communicate in a practical way is the incredibly complex and transdisciplinary science that is safety. And just to let you know practically what research is out there and how you can use that to inform your safety practices. So that's my career. Drew, in a few minutes, uh, tell us about your background. Okay. So I'm not a safety practitioner by original training. Um, I'm a computer systems engineer. And I guess I always envisaged myself spending my life designing robots, uh, writing software systems and that sort of thing. But in my early career, pretty much by accident, I got focused on providing safety assurance for large engineered systems, submarines, ships, helicopters, and eventually trains. And so I was working on things like safety analysis, safety cases, safety management systems. Because I didn't have training or a background in safety, early on I was mostly occupied with learning the craft, trying to understand the methods of safety. In particular, I was trying to become an expert in all sorts of safety techniques. I wanted to know what was the right or best way to do hazard identification. How do you do failure analysis? How do you do fault trees? How do you do failure modes effects analysis? How do you do human factors analysis? What's the best notation for safety cases? Anything that there was a method for, I wanted to know what the best method was and to be good at that method. But even early on, I could see that there were a lot of problems with how the methods were being used. I was trying really hard to get the methods right. They're sort of very black and white engineering thinking. And I could see that people were just constantly making mistakes. They were applying the methods incorrectly. And so I thought that if only we could make the methods more perfect and make the training around the methods better, then we could make the world into a safer place. One idea that I had, and this was your classic computer systems solution to everything, was why don't we just automate all of the safety analysis? Why don't we take it away from these fallible humans and train computers? All we have to do then is create engineered models for our systems, run those models through the automatic programs, and then we'd be able to perfectly basically debug the safety the same way that we debug software. But the longer I spent trying to perfect the safety techniques and to automate them, I became more and more concerned about what actually counts as good safety. You're sure, I can do a fault tree. Sure, I can teach a computer how to build a fault tree. But how do I know whether the thing that computers has built is any better than the one I've built? 
or is any better than the one that someone else has built? And once you start asking that question and try to say, how do you actually measure the success of a safety activity? You begin to ask the dangerous question about whether any of the safety practices can actually be properly measured, whether they can be shown to make systems safer or not. And once you start to ask that question, it really becomes like challenging someone's religious faith because people adopt the methods, they apply the methods. There's very seldom a spot where people just stop and think fundamentally, why am I doing this? Why is this the right thing to do? And once you start asking people, does safety work? You begin to really notice the religious nature of it. There's some safety practitioners that just absolutely refuse to have the conversation. You ask them, does safety work? And they dismiss the possibility because it's unthinkable that they might have devoted their careers or part of their life to building fortresses of safety documentation on top of sand dunes of evidence. And there's other people that will entertain the question, but they've got very well practiced and quite well rehearsed arguments as to how they know that safety works. And you know that the arguments are spurious because they'd never use the same sort of logic in one of their own safety cases. We're talking about people who are supposedly experts in arguments. They know what's a good and not good evidence when it comes to safety, but they're not willing to apply that same type of skepticism and scrutiny to the safety practices themselves. So you hear them say things like, you know, of course safety practices work because things are safer than they used to be. Or of course safety practices work or why would people be doing them? And over the course of my career, I've really dealt only with a handful of people who've been willing to seriously talk about whether safety practices work and talk about that with the same passion and energy that people apply to caring for people. And I think that's important because if we really do care about the safety of people, then we also need to care about the evidence for the methods. And it's not quite as bad as you might think, because it's not that the answer is no, safety doesn't work. The answer is that we usually don't have the evidence. And where we do have the evidence, we're not examining and applying it enough. So when I sort of got to that point, I gave up researching how to make safety method, to make safety better and to create new methods. And I started trying to investigate why we do safety the way we do it. How did we end up with basically a faith-based profession filled with people who are professional skeptics and truth finders? And what do we do about that? And there's one thing that is like a religion to me, an article of faith. And that's that I do think that evidence matters. I think that where there is evidence for what works and doesn't work, we should be getting that evidence into the right hands and people should be using that evidence. Where there's not good evidence, we should be honest about that and we should be trying to do something about it. Drew, I remember when we first explored this idea and we labelled it, or I think you labelled it safety work versus the safety of work and hence the title for this podcast because I'd just come back from one of my PhD data gathering sessions having sat through a four-hour meeting with managers and safety professionals. And I came back to you as my supervisor and reflected that not once in that four-hour meeting did I think we actually discuss a specific safety issue or risk that was facing our frontline workforce. I was listening to and we were discussing all these generic issues about culture, administration, organizational politics, and external parties, and all the things that needed to be done. They needed to be done. The organization needed to do them no question, but they were far removed from where the work and the risk actually existed in the organization. And I remember coming back to you baffled, asking the question, is this safety? Is this what safety is? And together we, we worked hard to try to make sense of, of what all that safety activity was and why it was happening in the organization where we couldn't see a direct link to actually keeping people safe. 
And so that's where I drew a link to some stuff that I'd been looking at, particularly with the role of risk assessment in major accidents. This is particularly work that I'd done with some colleagues at the University of York, Rob Alexander and Mark Nicholson. And when we were looking at this idea, risk assessment was supposedly supposed to tell us where there's a risk and what the risk is. And we found that work in risk assessment seemed to be far more about meeting and satisfying organisational concerns, about reassuring people that things are safe, making sure that the paperwork is done properly and appropriately and administered, or demonstrating to people outside the organisation that things were being properly managed. It seemed very seldom that risk assessment was successful in its main job, changing people's minds about risk. Um, even less often did it go a step further and not just change people's minds, but lead to changes in design or changes in the way people go about work. Yeah, so, Andrew, I don't think I've ever walked in or out of a risk assessment in my entire career, which has genuinely been, we don't know what the best thing to do is here. Let's do a risk assessment to, to, to work out that decision. It's generally, we think we know what we want to do. Let's do a risk assessment to tell us that's okay. And I think when organisations say safety, they, they don't have a nuanced conversation about whether they're talking about their safety practices, uh, their, their stakeholders, the safety work, are they talking about the safety team, safety as a goal, a target, a number of injuries and so on. And because safety is so important, organisations can't have this nuanced discussion or question or critique about any aspect of safety. If someone in the organisation says, you know, I really want to ask the question about whether this safety thing we're doing is working. They immediately get labelled and judged as someone who doesn't care enough about safety because of course it works. And if you, if you ask otherwise, then you might not care enough. And I think we really wanted to detail this discussion quite in a lot of way in that paper titled Safety Work versus the Safety of Work. And one of the central arguments that we were hoping we would make clear is it's actually not about not caring. In fact, it's probably a much stronger demonstration of care if you do actually try to have the detailed conversation. Like you said earlier, Drew, you know, if you care about the people in the organisation, you should care about the evidence for what you're doing. Yeah, so in, in the paper and here in this podcast, we do want to acknowledge that there's a lot of things that safety people do which have legitimate purposes that aren't directly geared at safety of work. Lots of things that do need to meet organisational needs, that do need to satisfy external stakeholders, that do need to meet compliance and audits. And once we acknowledge those things, we can, in a way, sort of put them aside and then ask the, what I think is the more central question about what works and doesn't work. You know, we have to do these things, fine, but let's admit that we do these things because we have to do them. And then let's also look at what is good and not good for safety. And so what makes work better is when people are doing dangerous operational tasks what is it that safety people can do that can help with that? Whether people are doing design work, you know, whether they're making dangerous trains, planes, military systems, or whether they're transporting people from place to place, or when they're doing things that might put the public or themselves in danger through the work that they're doing. Ultimately, we should be asking, you know, is this safe? And what can help make this safer? And so we want the things that we do as safety practitioners linked to those design activities or operational activities. Um, so that's enough about sort of us and our philosophy. David, do you want to tell us a little bit about how the podcast itself is going to work? Yeah, thanks, Drew. We've, we've touched on it already. And the Safety of Work podcast is about providing 
safety practitioners and hopefully managers, sharp end practitioners, regulators, other scientific disciplines, or really just anyone who's interested in what evidence is out there for those things that we do in organizations in the name of safety and whether those things do or don't make a contribution to the safety of work. So with that as, with that as our purpose, each of our episodes from next week will follow a similar format. We'll introduce a question. And that will usually be a question that's based on a particular research paper or papers. We'll then explain why it's an important question and how we see that question being relevant to you in your own organization. And then we'll talk about the research papers themselves that might help us answer that. As we said earlier, we'll demystify the safety research. So we'll take a bit of time to explain how the research was carried out and by who. What we hope is that we can help you as our listeners be more informed consumers of safety science research over time. And we'll devolve the individual study findings uh, along with our own thoughts and insights about what that might mean for real organisations such as those that you most likely work in. And then hopefully you can take over from there and, and, and declutter your safety management practices within your organisation based on, on sound research and evidence. We've both got quite a lot of experience in, in trying to understand safety. Drew, Drew much more in the safety academic world and myself a little more in the organisational world. So. Together, we're hoping that we can combine our understanding of the literature, uh, the academic literature and the safety science research with the more nuanced challenges of what working in real life organisations is like. Ultimately, what we want to do is enhance the safety of work within your organisation. So we don't know exactly how you found this podcast. We're expecting people might come in a number of different ways. I'm sure there are at least some of you who are listeners from my original podcast, DisasterCast. Maybe you're one of those people who's been anxiously awaiting the next episode and asking me about it every month for the past two years. So is DisasterCast finally dead? Uh, probably. I'm going to keep the back catalogue in the webpage accessible. And maybe sometimes on this podcast, we'll be using accidents as framing devices to introduce the question of the week. If you love the disaster stories, they haven't disappeared, but they won't be showing up on the DisasterCast feed anymore. What we will do, um, and we've had a very careful discussion about this to make sure that we could make the commitment, is we're going to be putting this podcast out on a very regular schedule. Um, that means we might occasionally, to make sure that we've got an episode every week, drop in a disaster episode by Drew occasionally or an interview episode by David, um, just to make sure that we have that continuity. In most cases, though, each week we'll stick to the question, evidence, implications formula. So each week we'll be looking at one piece of evidence around those questions. So that's us. That's who we are and what we're hoping to achieve. We thank you for joining us on this ride. And that's it for the first uh, introductory episode. We're sitting together recording our initial batch of episodes, as Drew said, for the, for the third time due to our, um, hopefully we're better at safety than we are at uh, podcasting technology. But the first full episode will be out in your favorite podcast feed exactly one week after you see this introduction. We do hope that you'll introduce yourselves to us through, through our contact details. And we hope you find the episodes thought-provoking and ultimately useful in shaping the safety of work in your own organization. You can send any comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes directly to us at feedback at safetyofwork.com.